This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Friends, I'm really excited about these next few weeks. We've got a lot going on. We're finishing up our You Asked For It series today and then starting a new series called Beyond GPS, which is all about hearing and following God, discerning His will, figuring out um, what it means to be in God's will? How do we know if we are there and if we're not? Is this something we should be questioning on a regular basis? Uh, we're really going to get into it. Next week, we've got some special things that we're going to be doing. A week after that, on the 10th, uh, we are going to have a baptism service, which is always one of my favorite times. And we're going to open up uh, the water for you to come and be baptized. But you don't have to wait. You can even sign up now and get ready for that. And if you have questions, make sure you mark that on your card that you have questions about baptism or interested in that so we can follow up with you. But it's going to be an incredible time. So I just want you to get ready. We really have a fantastic few weeks coming up. And the neat thing about the 10th when we have our baptism service is that the India team will be arriving back the evening of the 9th. And so they'll be here with us again and we get to worship with them uh, as we welcome them back into the community. So I digress, though. That is coming. But today, today we are finishing our series with angels. And I want to say again, I have really been uh, so thankful to be part of this community. So thankful to God that he has brought you here, that you've asked very real questions and you're looking for answers. And, and I know that some of the, the questions that were asked were for, have forced you to, in some ways, have a very large paradigm shift. I know some of the questions that have been asked that we've been answering have been difficult for some of you, and I want to encourage you to continue to press into God. I know that some of them have challenged what we think and what we feel, uh, but the truth is, as followers of Jesus, we don't follow the God of I think, and we don't follow the God of I feel. We can say, I feel like it's raining outside, but you know what? It's not raining outside. That's not the truth. We follow the God of the Bible because the God of the Bible speaks truth into existence. And so uh, I want to encourage you, keep wrestling with some of the topics that we've been talking about. Don't check out. Don't tune out. If you have more questions about the things that we've been engaging in, uh, come talk to one of the pastoral staff. Talk to your life group leader. Uh, Really make sure that you're in dialogue about these things. Be open. Be excited about what God's doing. Uh, And I want to encourage you, make sure you keep engaging with the God of the Bible and don't let the God of I think or the God of I feel uh, take over. So we're talking about angels today, and uh, Hollywood has been obsessed with angels for a long time. How many of you have seen It's a Wonderful Life? You know, Clarence the Angel? Yeah, about a million times, right? Who hasn't seen it? Who isn't sick of it at this point? Um, Yeah? Okay, one. We have one person that's not sick of it. All right. Hey, okay. I'm just a horrible, non-sentimental person. But we do. We, you know, we have Clarence the angel. We have Michael Landon from Highway to Heaven. He was the angel with the really good hair, right? He, he was awesome. Um, some of you, when you hear angels in Hollywood, you immediately think of Farrah Fawcett and her angels. Uh, or if you were born in the 80s, maybe Lucy Liu and her angels. Um, okay, that's enough thinking about them. We're in church. So let's move past that. Some of you think about angels and you think of uh, those little things on top of the Christmas tree that have light bulbs coming out of their wrists in a really creepy way. Uh, Some of you, when you think about Christmas and angels, could care less about the tree topper, but you just want some angel food cake. And you guys are trying to figure out, how can I get my wife to think that this is Father's Day today so she can make me some angel food cake? Because that's what I really want today. Uh, See, I think angels are all over the place. The one place that we don't hear a lot about angels is at church. I was really struck by this, and I was really glad that you asked this question, because how many of you have ever heard an entire sermon on angels? I just want to do a poll. How many have ever heard an entire sermon on angels? Yeah, look around the room. No one. 
And it's not because angels are not in the Bible. Uh, in fact, we have some notes, so if you want to take notes and follow along, uh, you can pull them out of your program. Uh, angels are all, are all over the Bible. They're mentioned in the Old Testament 108 times. In the New Testament, they're mentioned 165 times. And that should raise some questions for us. If, the, if angels are mentioned in the Bible close to 300 times, we should be asking questions like, what are angels? What's their purpose? Are they real? Are they something that was just in the Bible? Are they, some, are they around today? Are they here right now? If they are here, what are they doing? What's going on uh, in the unseen realm? So that's what we're going to dive into this morning. But to do that, we have to know a few things. We have to know that there is a world that we can experience with our five senses. It's the tactile world. It's the world of YouTube and work and friends and family and vacation, uh, getting colds. It's the world that we see and feel and experience. And it's, it's very real. It's what everyone knows. But at the same time, there's a world that we cannot see. And the Bible talks about this as the heavenly realm or the unseen realm. And it is equally as real. It's beyond our five senses. It's beyond what we uh, can touch, taste, smell, hear, see. But it's no less real. That's why Paul in Ephesians chapter 5 says, Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Now my goal this morning is not to weird you out. That's really not my hope. I know I'm a kind of a weird guy, and I might weird some of you out just being up here. But my goal in the sermon is not to weird you out. But I do want us to be aware that there is an unseen realm, that there is a spiritual realm, and that, that just as much as there are things going on in the world that we can see, there are things going on in the world that we cannot see, things going on behind the scenes that actually affect the world that we can see and, and where we get up in the morning and we have conversations and we, we go to work and we go home, there are things happening behind the curtain in the unseen realm. And there are some things that we can know about angels, just like there are some things we can know about God in general. But there's a lot that we can't know. And we need to be okay with that. We have to hold that tension. In fact, Deuteronomy says this in chapter 29. It says, The secret things belong to the Lord our God. But the things revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may follow all the words of this law. See, God wants us to know that there are certain things that he has revealed to us, and we need to take hold of them. They've been revealed in the Bible. They've been revealed by the Holy Spirit working in our lives. And we need to hold them, and we need to own them, and we need to know them. And at the same time, there's a whole bunch of stuff that God has chosen not to reveal to us. One of the things that we really appreciate in our culture is a closeness to God. We talk about being intimate with God, about God being our friend, and that's very true and real. But there's another side of God where God is so big and vast and great, and there are certain things that we do not know, that we cannot know this side of eternity. And so as we talk about angels, much like when we talk about many of the things of God, we have to hold this tension that there are certain things we can know, and there are certain things that we can't know. And we have to be okay with that. I think one of the reasons that uh, Christians tend to lean towards legalism, towards this is right and this is wrong, is because we don't like tension. We don't like gray area. We really like black and white. Tell me I can do this and I can't do that. Don't make me think for myself. But the God of the Bible wants you to think for yourself. He wants you to live in tension. And so my goal this morning is to talk to you about the identity and mission of angels, on the side of good, on, on God's side, 
and then to talk about Satan and demons on the side of evil. Because just as real as there is a God, there is an enemy of God, and we're going to talk about him in a little bit. So what do we know about angels from the Bible? Well, we know that angels were created by God. By the way, we're going to go through this quick because this is a crash course. I'm trying to lay all of what God says about angels in the next 30 minutes. So get ready. Angels were created by God. Psalm 148.5 is talking about angels. And it says, Let them praise the name of the Lord, for at his command they were created. Angels were created by God. And angels are spirit beings. Hebrews 1.14 tells us, it says, Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? We're going to get back to that verse a little bit later, because that's a key verse in understanding angels. But I want to be clear. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that angels are the spirit of loved ones who have died. It says that angels are spirit beings. They were created as angels. People will never be angels. Angels will not be people. They're separate entities. Just like you will never be a cow or a horse or a dog, you will never be an angel. Uh, So I'm sorry for those of you who watched City of Angels with Nick Cage and thought, man, that is a love story that I could get behind. Not happening, people. It's just not. Don't jump off a building. You will die. You'll be with God, but not as an angel. Hebrews 12, 22 tells us that there are thousands upon thousands of angels that were created by God to carry out God's will. But the interesting thing is, even though the Bible says there are thousands upon thousands of angels, only three of them are mentioned by name in the Bible. And you can write this in your margins if you want to. There are the angels Michael, and the angel Gabriel, and the angel Lucifer, or Satan the devil. We're going to talk about him more a little bit later as well. And as I studied angels, I realized that angels take on all kinds of different forms in the Bible. They appear in different ways in the Bible. For example, in Ezekiel chapter 1, they look like something out of Star Wars. Uh, Ezekiel 1 says that the angels had multiple faces and wings and eyes, and they were flying, and they were pretty terrifying. They looked like something out of a sci-fi movie. In uh, the birth story in the gospel— the Bible says that Joseph, who would become, uh, would marry Mary and become the surrogate father over Jesus, uh, says that an angel appeared to him in a dream. It didn't actually even take on a physical form. It just came to him in a dream. So angels sometimes look like uh, creatures from Star Wars. Sometimes they come in dreams. Uh, in the book of Genesis, angels came to a guy named Abraham, and three angels walked up to him, and he thought they were just people. So sometimes they appear, and they look just like people. He actually ate with them and had lunch with them, and it wasn't until after they left that Abraham realized, oh, these were angels, which is why Hebrews 13 says you should show hospitality to strangers, because when you do that, you may be entertaining angels. It comes from uh, this passage in Genesis, the story where Abraham actually entertains angels without even knowing it. So that's a snapshot of what angels are, which should lead us to the natural question, so what do they do? Well, angels do at least four things in the Bible that we are told. Uh, The first thing that angels do is they worship God. This is their vocation. This is their primary calling. By the way, as followers of God, this is our vocation and our primary calling. Sometimes they worship God in song, and sometimes they worship Him in action, but their primary calling is to worship God. Nehemiah 9.6 says that the multitude of angels in heaven were worshiping God together. By the way, the book of Revelation, at least five different times, says that churches have angels that oversee a church. And I wonder if when we worship God together, there are angels here in this place worshiping with us. 
But just think about that. The Bible says that angels are worshiping God all the time. And the Bible says at least five times in Revelations that various churches have angels. Could it be that when we gather here to worship God, there are angels in the unseen realm worshiping with us in the songs that we sing? Doesn't that call you into intimate worship with God? In the unseen realm, if there are angels worshiping him, and that's their primary calling, and then we come together, we join with the angels, and we sing to God. It's just this beautiful, beautiful picture. So they worship. The other, another thing that angels do is they bring messages from God to the people. In Luke 2.10, an angel appeared to the shepherds at night of Jesus' birth. And this is what he told them. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Messiah the Lord. It goes on to say that a whole host of angels then came and began to worship and praise God. And it was this amazing sight. The word angel in the original language actually means messenger. And so one of the primary roles of angels is to bring messages to God's people. They take a word from God and they bring it down to his people. Angels also punish God's enemies. A lot of us have a picture of angel as this little cute, you know, pleasantly plump little boy or girl with, you know, their undies sagging down a little wings behind them or something. I don't know. Um, but angels are pretty strong. Uh, they punish God's enemies. First Kings 19 talks about over 100,000 men uh, being killed by an angel of the Lord because they were against God's people. Uh, in the Psalms, we hear that the angel of the Lord encamps around the people of God and protects them. There's a story uh, during World War, II, uh, World War I. It was August 1914, and the British and French troops were fighting against the Germans. And at, up to this point in the war, the Germans had been winning handily. And in this battle, it was the Battle of Mons, and uh, the Germans were winning again. They were advancing, and they were killing the Allies, and there were Allied troops scattered all over this battlefield. But no one could get to them because the Germans were advancing too quickly. And then it happened, and this is a, this is a story that's been documented. Then it happened. Uh, the Allied troops said that they began to see angels coming down from heaven and stopping the German warriors, the German soldiers, and not letting them advance. And then the Germans would go and try to attack a different way, and an angel would come down and would stop them. And the story goes on to say that angels actually hovered over the wounded to show the Allies who the wounded soldiers were so they could go and get them. And so the soldiers began to come back to the tents, and they were wounded, and the nurses started telling stories about how not just one or two, but hundreds of men who were wounded said that they saw an angel hover over them. The nurses said that even the men that died at this battle died with more peace than they had ever seen or had ever seen since. So the doctors began to say, well, this is just mass hysteria. The people, there must be some sort of uh, psychosis going on. But after the war was over, Germans were interviewed, and German soldiers said that they would go to advance, and an angel came down and stood in front of them, and it struck them with such fear and such awe that they had to run away, and they would go and try to attack somewhere else, and an angel came and stopped them so that they had to run away. The Bible says that the angel of the Lord encamps around his people and protects them. Uh, this battle stood as one of the turning points in World War I where the Allies began to win. It's a documented story of angels punishing God's enemies and protecting God's people. And the fourth thing that angels do is they provide for, they protect, and they minister to the people of God. Let's go back to Hebrews for a second. Remember Hebrews uh, 1.14 says, Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? 
And we see this in the Bible. Remember at Jesus' baptism in the beginning of his ministry, the Bible says the Spirit of the Lord came upon him in the form of a dove, and then it compelled him to go into the wilderness where he fasted. He went without food, without water for 40 days. And the Bible says he was tempted by Satan in that time in the wilderness. And at the end of that 40 days, when he was hungry and thirsty and tired, the Bible teaches us that angels ministered to him, that angels tended to him, that angels cared for him. And that's what angels do for us. Uh, We're told in Matthew 18, Jesus says we need to care for children because their angels in heaven always see the face of our Father in heaven. So we're told that uh, children have angels that watch over them, that protect them, that guide them. Now, I want to be clear. Some uh, traditions have happened that we have guardian angels, and it comes from this verse. The Bible's not clear that every person has a guardian angel. It just says that children have angels that watch over them specifically, but it doesn't say that every one of us has an angel. I just want to be clear about that because, like I said, there's a lot that we can know about angels in the spiritual realm, in the unseen world, but then there's a whole lot that we can't know. And the danger, even in giving a sermon like this, is that we'll kind of go off on fantastic tangents, you know, make all these hierarchies about angels and how they can protect and do this and that and, and what they do. And the truth is, it's oftentimes speculation. And so I just want to be clear that it says that angels do protect us, oftentimes in unseen ways, sometimes in seen ways. I've heard stories. uh, Someone close to me actually said that they were uh, driving on a winter day in the Midwest, and it was icy, and they went to stop, but they couldn't stop their car, and they went into an intersection, and a car actually came through and hit their car, but went through their car and kept on going the other direction. He He said that he saw an angel protecting him. Now, I know what some of you are going to say right now. Okay. You said the angels sound like sci-fi. This sounds like sci-fi. This is just ancient mythology. This is just crazy ancient religion. Uh, I got to tell you, Jesus believed in angels. They ministered to him. They cared for him. And we're going to talk about demons in just a minute. Jesus believed in demons, and sometimes he actually released people from their control, from their power. People's experiences said that there are angels in the unseen realm. Our experience tells us that sometimes there are things happening in the unseen realm that we cannot even figure out. Why am I doing this today? Why am I acting this way today? This is not me. This is not who I am. Could it be that there's something happening that you just don't see? We're going to get into uh, what that could be and what it means to fight against that in just a minute. But I just want to throw that out there. I know some of you are thinking, this is just crazy. I want to remind you that we don't follow the God of I think. We follow the God of the Bible, and the God of the Bible says this is true. And so far, he's proven himself pretty faithful to us on this journey. But just as real as there are angels, I want to spend a few minutes talking about the other side, talking about demons. And again, if the tension on one side is that we're going to check out and say, this is just ancient superstition, this isn't true, the danger on the other side when we talk about demons is that you're going to freak out. And we're going to have grown men curled up in their bed crying like little girls because they're so scared of demons. I don't want that either, okay? We have to have a healthy balance, a healthy tension. But the Bible's clear that just as surely as there are angels at work in the unseen realm on the side of God, there are demons at work in the unseen realm on the side of the devil. Now, Hollywood is love to talk about the devil too, right? It's given us this character of the devil. The devil is some, you know— little mischievous kid like Dennis the Menace who has a tail and a little pitchfork and horns. Or, or maybe the devil is some seductive uh, outline of a woman with a pitchfork and horn on the back of some guy's raised truck with a tinted window, right? You've seen this before. 
I did college ministry for a number of years, and we always had a Halloween party. And every year, every year we had a Halloween party, we had at least one girl dress up like the devil. One Christian girl, sometimes a leader in our ministry, always dressed up like the devil. And it blew my mind. I didn't understand it. I had someone come up to me a few weeks ago after I preached, and he was visiting from another church. And he said, hey, pastor, that was a great message. But I got to tell you, while you were preaching, you know, I started to play the devil's advocate a little bit and write down some different questions I had about your message. And I thought to myself, the devil doesn't need any more advocates. Okay? He's got plenty. I actually told him that. He kind of laughed. And then I said, but tell me what you got. But what that revealed to me is that we have bought into a lie that the devil is not real, not true, not there. Because if we did, why would we ever want to be his advocate? If we really took what the Bible says about the devil seriously, who would want to be his advocate? It's a lose-lose situation. Here's what the Bible says about the devil. Well, we find two references in the Old Testament, in Ezekiel 28 and Isaiah 14. And they both say that the devil was a wise and beautiful angel named Lucifer. Lucifer created by God, more brilliant and beautiful than any of the angels. And that this wise angel uh, wanted to seize control of the throne of God. He wanted to become like God and even become God. And so God cast him out of heaven for eternity. And the Bible says that God didn't just cast him out of heaven, but that God cast other angels out with him. There was this battle lines that were drawn in the cosmic realm in heaven. And some angels went with the devil and some went on the side of God and God cast them out. Revelation 12, 9 says this, the great dragon was hurled down. That ancient serpent called the devil or Satan who leads the whole world astray. So what's his role? His role is to lead the world astray, to turn him from God. And he was hurled down to the earth and his angels with them. In the same chapter of Revelation, we're told that up to a third of these fallen angels went with Satan. And so on one side of this cosmic battle, we have God and his angels, and his angels are ministering to us. They're worshiping God. They are uh, defeating God's enemies, and they are protecting God's people. On the other side, we have demons, and their role is to hurt and destroy and cause pain and brokenness, to lie to us and to lead us astray. But it's important to remember that the devil and his angels or demons have already been judged. The Bible says they were cast out uh, for eternity. They've already been judged. They've been sent to hell for all time. So the question becomes, what are they fighting for? If they know they can't win this battle, and they can't, they know they can't win this battle, what are demons fighting for? What's their purpose? And their purpose is to take as many people with them as they can. Their purpose is to get into your marriage and cause disunity and destruction and habits and patterns that would just be breaking God's heart. Their purpose is to guide you away, to take as many people away to eternity separated from God as they can. I am a Bears fan. Chicago Bears. I know you are too, because I can see it on your faces. I love the Bears. And who, how could you not love the greatest football team in the history of the world? I love the Bears. But one of the things that happens in January a lot of the time is that the Bears are mathematically out of the playoffs at that point. <laughs> December sometimes. They're mathematically out of the playoffs. Here's what I love doing as a Bears fan when that happens. And it does happen, I'll be honest. I'm not going to lie on stage. It does happen from time to time. Here's what I love doing. I love playing the Packers and beating them and kicking them out of the playoffs, right? The Bears love to play the spoiler. 
They know they can't make it to the playoffs, but man, they want to take down as many teams as they can with them. That's the role of demons. They know they can't make it to eternity. They know they've been judged and condemned and sent to hell apart from God. But their goal is to play the spoiler, to take as many people down with them as they can. I want to make one quick note. The bears are not demons. (laughs) It's very important that we remember that. The bears are not. Friends, we need to understand the reality. There is a very real battle happening in the unseen world between God and his angels and Satan and his devils and, and his demons. We need to understand it so we can know how to respond to it. How are a few things we can respond? Well, the first thing we need to do is live with an awareness, not a weirdness. I heard a pastor say that once, and it just stuck with me. We have to have an awareness, not a weirdness. Some people take the awareness of the spiritual realm, specifically demons and evil, and they begin seeing a demon under every rock and around every corner. Everything's a demon. My goodness, your high schooler goes out and they make a bad choice. They get drunk one night. You're trying to cast a demon out of them, right? Wouldn't the better choice be to sit down with your high schooler and say, why did you make that choice? Probably wasn't the demon of alcohol. It was probably peer pressure. Uh, People look at someone who is bitter and a hostile person and they say, man, there must be a demon of anger in that person. They look at someone who's an alcoholic and say, they must have the demon of, of alcohol it's like the little boy who was in school one day, and he was, uh, he was just a rambunctious little kid. But his teacher had had enough, and she went up to him, and she grabbed him by the arms, and she said, Son, I think a demon's got a hold of you. And he looked up at her with wide eyes and said, Ma'am, I think you're right. <laughs> we see demons everywhere. My goodness. My problem with a demon behind every corner and under, under every rock is that it's too simplistic. It really is. We are multidimensional beings. God created us as the crown of his creation, and it's too simplistic to say it must be a result of demonic presence, of demon forces in their life, of a demon possessing them or taking control of them. If, uh, is someone demon-possessed if they're hostile and bitter, or could it be that they're hostile and bitter because they grew up in the home of an alcoholic who beat them repeatedly, and they're just a hostile, bitter person who needs the love of Christ, needs the love of a community. Again, could it be that your high schooler just made a bad choice, and you don't need to bring him to the pastor's office for an exorcism? You just need to sit down with him and be a loving parent who walks him through it. See, we need to live with an awareness, not a weirdness. And the same is true on the angelic side. There are people who take angels and make angels into the thing. We pray to angels. We look to our guardian angel. We have all these fantastic uh, detailed accounts of how this angel was here and this angel is with us. And angels become our God. We pray to angels. You know what? The Bible doesn't say to pray to angels. It says pray to God. The Bible is very clear that angels are a cheap substitute for the one who created all things. Jesus says, I'm going to go to the Father and I'm going to take your prayers and I'm going to translate them to God and I'm going to pray on your behalf. We don't need to pray to angels. We need to pray to God. Did angels create us? No. Did angels die on a cross to forgive us of our sins and draw us back to God our Father? No. Did angels send the Holy Spirit to come and live within us to guide our lives? No. And so we can't become consumed or obsessed with angels. Angels are simply messengers sent from God to minister and care for us, oftentimes in unseen ways, to worship and praise God along with us. They're created beings just like we are created beings by God the Father. 
The second thing we need to do is remember that spiritual battles are fought with spiritual weapons. This is not an even playing field. The devil is not all-powerful. The devil is not all-knowing. The devil is not everywhere. Those attributes are given only to God. The devil was created by God, and God uh, has the power over him. God has already judged him. They are not equals. We need to remember uh, the clear word of Scripture, greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. Greater is the Holy Spirit that lives in us than the evil forces and presences in the unseen realm. See, Satan wants you to take two extremes. He wants you to either not believe that he exists so that he can just do his work and cause trouble, or he wants you to become obsessed and freaked out. And neither one is healthy. We need to find a healthy spot in the middle. Remember, when Jesus was tempted by Satan in the wilderness, he used spiritual weapons, and we need to use spiritual weapons too. What did he do when he was tempted in the wilderness? Well, he prayed. He meditated. He fasted. He recited scripture. And we need to do the same. See, we need the living, working God in our lives if we're going to battle the enemy. My prayer for you is that uh, when you're tested by God or by, by Satan, that you would stand firm because you've got the word of God in your heart and in your life because you've been meditating and praying and engaging with him. We're going to talk a little bit more about that in just a few minutes. But that Satan would not be able to wreck anyone's life because we have the power of God living with us. One of the greatest pictures of angels in the Bible is found in Luke 15. It's the story of a woman who loses a coin. And so she searches her house. She tears everything up to find it. And she finds her coin and she calls her friends. And she says, celebrate with me because I found this coin. It was lost and now it's found. Jesus tells that story. And then he says, in the same way, just like there's celebration here, he says, there is celebration of the angels in heaven over one person who comes back to God. It's a great picture. When we make steps towards Jesus, when we make steps towards God, when we come into a relationship with him, the Bible says that angels rejoice. They celebrate. They throw parties. There's a cake in heaven with your name on it, and the angels are celebrating. Maybe it's angel food cake. We just don't know. (laughs) But the question today is, how are you going to respond? If you're here this morning and you've never come into a relationship with Jesus, this stuff should freak you out a little bit. It's okay, but it is real. There is a very real God, and he's very personal, and he wants to have a relationship with you, and he wants his spirit to actually come and live inside of you and give you the power to follow him and walk with him and have an experience in life that is beyond anything you could ever dream or imagine on your own. He wants to guard you and protect you from the evil powers at work in the world, both seen and unseen. But it starts as you make a choice to follow So I'm going to pray in just a second, and I'm going to give you a chance to respond to God uh, by simply entering into a relationship with Him. If you've never come into an intimate relationship with God, now is the time. You can just ask, Lord, would you come into my life, and would you guide me? And He promises that He will be faithful to do that, and He promises that the angels in heaven will celebrate and praise and eat cake in your honor as you do that. Would you join me as we pray? And if you've never made a decision to come into a relationship with Jesus, you can uh, pray a simple prayer as I pray along with me. Lord, I want to pray two things this morning. And the first is that you would help us as a community to find the tension, uh, the, the, the hold, the two extremes of one, not believing in a spiritual or unseen realm of angels and demons, 
and, and the other side would be to become totally obsessed and freaked out about it and be no good to you or to anybody else because we are consumed by it. Would you help us to find attention to walk in there? I pray that you would help us to live uh, with the reality that spiritual weapons uh, are the only thing we can use to fight spiritual battles. Would you do that in each of our lives today? As we continue to pray, if you're here this morning and you've never entered into a personal relationship with Jesus, where you said, God, I want to follow you in my life. I give myself over to you. I want you to come and to live in me and live with me and guide me on this journey. If you've never done that and you sense God is stirring in you now, as we continue to pray, I'm going to give you a chance to just repeat a simple prayer after me, and God will honor that, and God will come and he will move in your life, and he will guide and will lead you. So if you sense God is stirring you, there's no better time than now just to come into a relationship with him. He loves you so much, and he is just waiting for you to come. You can pray this prayer with me. You can say, Lord Jesus, I realize that I have been far from you. Today, I want to enter into a relationship with you. I believe that your death on the cross made a way for me to come back to God. And I ask you, Lord, would you guide me on this journey of life? Amen. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.